You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. still standing, you may find your seat, sit down, be seated. So good to see everybody. So, you know, we're currently in this three-sermon series titled, entitled The Christmas Story. There's two remaining, today and next Sunday. Also today, you need to know up front, We will be repeating some things from last week. I asked the Lord about that. Pay attention here. I asked the Lord about that. Why Why are we repeating things that we had last week? Why why redundant? And the answer came quickly, and this is what I want you to hear. When I repeat something, the Lord said, when I repeat something more than once, It behooves you to consider it seriously. Okay, by me, Lord. I'll do it. No argument here. So you'll hear some things this week um, that were very similar to things we heard last week. And again, the format is going to be that theological word, exegesis, which simply means we're going to go through the narrative, passage by passage. We'll give the literal meaning. We'll comment on the the meeting, and then we'll try and make relevant application for today. For Luke, we're taking Luke's version of the Christmas story here. For Luke, the Christmas story, the story of the birth of God's son, Jesus, actually begins earlier with the story of the birth of Zechariah's son, John. And that's very important to the Christmas story, and it's very important to some of the things God wants to emphasize here. See, the founder of our denomination, A.B. Simpson, we don't idolize men. He just happens to be the founder, and he was a very spiritual man. He had this saying. He said, the word of God, all the word of God is truth. It's true. And it's true all the time. But there's this present truth that God is emphasizing at a current moment that's important that we get. And so we could probably go to any passage in the Bible any Sunday morning and preach, and that would be good. But we may be missing God's best because we're not hearing what he has to say to us. So there's some things that God very intentionally wants to say to us today and last week, and that's why we need to be focused on Zechariah and what's going on with John the Baptist so last week we did look in depth, in depth at this account of Zechariah, his wife Elizabeth, the child of their old age, John the Baptist, and we said we'll continue with that today. So Luke chapter 1, 8 through 14, one day Zechariah was serving God in the temple. He was on duty that week. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, don't just skip over this next phrase, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And said, God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. 
So Zechariah was a priest, and while he was serving his routine shift in the temple, an angel appeared to him. So here's an application for us. You just never know when God is going to move mightily in your life. You just never know when God's going to break out. We get lulled into complacency, and I think we miss it sometimes. You just never know. And I have found it almost always happens when you aren't expecting it, when you're not looking for it. You know, there's a saying we have, opportunity knocks at the most inopportune time. We're not ready for it. God has prepared to move. It's on our part to be ready, to be alert, live your life sober, always looking for the Lord. Alert. And here's the other thing. It's often in the routine and the mundane things of life. You know, we have the Sean Foyk concert, a mighty move and sensational. That was great. But God often moves in the routine and the mundane of your life when you're least expecting it. At work, recreation, on vacation, whatever. Better be prepared. Better live life, even the routine and mundane parts of your life, expectant, anticipating. Or we just might miss the time of his visitation. We turn to this summary. The angel told Zechariah he had a message for him from God. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you're to name him John. We know Zechariah's response. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now. My wife is also well along in years. The angel replied to Zechariah, since you you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and you will be unable to speak until the child is born. As we said last week, don't mess around with unbelief. It can be very costly. Now listen, because I know this applies to many of you. You have a word. You have a promise from God. Don't mess around with unbelief. It can be very costly. We need to believe that word, and we need to wait on its fulfillment. And sometimes the problem is on our part, because God releases a word or or a promise from his word, and we don't act on it. We think, oh, well, maybe he'll do it, maybe he won't. We need to be praying into that. We need to be asking God for more information. We need to be pursuing that word and pursuing that promise. And don't just let it lie dormant. Then it may or may not happen. God's promises to us, his love for us is unconditional. He loves us unconditionally. You can't really do anything to take yourself out of God's love. But his promises and his words to us are often conditional. This is what I'm going to do if you do this. Zechariah's unbelief cost him his voice, the ability to speak for several months. But moving forward, Elizabeth did give birth to a son. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? The family said. Can you imagine the extended family? What? John? 
Not Zechariah. There's not even any Johns in your family. That's what they actually say. What? There's no one in all your family by that name. I wish there'd have been nobody in my family by the name Hubert. <laughs> and Harvey. Harvey and Hubert, that's what has drawn us together. Our uncomfortableness with our first names, right? Hub and Sonny, I like that a lot better. So they used gestures to ask Zechariah what he wanted to name the baby. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote his name is John. Now pay attention to the next phrase. Instantly, in that obedience, instantly Zechariah could speak again. And he began praising God. All fell upon the entire, the whole neighborhood. Conclusion of this section, the angel was right. Elizabeth had her baby. They named him John. And Zechariah was miraculously released to speak. And speak he did. We aren't going to cover it today for time's sake. But in your own reading of Luke 1, notice the poetic address that, that Zechariah gives. The praise to God after he can speak again. The application of this section is simply this. God is always faithful. He gave you that word. It's been 10 years now. He is faithful. Don't turn away. He gave you that promise. It seems like it's never going to come true. We've said this before, but it, it, it bears repeating. Often when you receive a word from the Lord or a prophetic promise that's immediately followed by a period of time, that seems like exactly the opposite of what that word was, was spoke. It's, it's a testing time. And too many times we bail during that time and we begin to think, oh, I didn't really hear from God or whatever. We've got to hang in there and unless God himself releases us from it, we wait because he's faithful. He does what he says he's going to do, Amen. Always. His promises never fail. His words to us never fail. The written word and the spoken prophetic word, they never fail. God never fails. Never. I know it's hard to imagine because we're human. We fail. God never fails. Now, moving into this week, we're going to go back and pick up this narrative in verse 26. Deborah, if you'll come. And congregation, if you'll stand, Deborah's going to read for us Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 42. We're standing to honor God's word as she reads. Now, in the sixth month... Hold on a second. Is that on? I don't know. Testing. Speak right into it, yeah. Can you hear me now? <laughs> now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to Galilee to a city called Nazareth to a virgin who was acquired for a price, for a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the name of the virgin was Mary. And the angel went in and said to her, Peace be to you, O full of grace, our Lord is with you, O blessed one among women. When she saw him, she was disturbed at his word and wondered what kind of salutation this could be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found grace with God. For behold, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. 
and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and there will be no limit to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, for no man has known me? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come, and the power of the highest will rest upon you. Therefore, the one who is to be born of you is holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your kinswoman, has also conceived a son in her old age, and yet this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren, for nothing is impossible for God. Mary said, Here I am, a handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel went away from her. In those days, Mary rose up and went hurriedly to a mountain, to a city of Judea, and she entered the house of Zechariah and saluted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the salutation of, of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was for, filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried in a loud voice, saying to Mary, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Thank you, Deborah. Maybe seated. So much to say. We have so much to say. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. So we don't know exactly how long, but at least six months after Gabriel appeared to Zechariah, God sends him again, this time to speak another message to a virgin named Mary. So we have our second angelic appearance in the Christmas story. I'm not, I'm not sure why, but it seems like everywhere I turn these days, it's coming up angels. If we had gone back to Acts 12 and not entered into this, we'd find an angel in that story. So I thought that a very brief teaching on angels would be appropriate since they play such an important role in the Christmas story. And I think this will only skim the surface, but I think it's all we need for now. You know, when God wants to speak something to us, he often just introduces it with like a, a little surface information and then we move on to something else but we have a foundation then later on he brings us back to it to that so I wouldn't be surprised if we hear about angels now for a little while and then we move on to something else but in the future God will bring that back there's something he wants us to know about angels so here's just a very brief uh, biblical study on angels Hebrews 1:14 are not all angels Ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. I like it in the, pas in the Passion Translation. What role then do the angels have? The angels are spirit messengers sent by God to serve those who are going to be saved. Spirit messengers. They deliver messages for God. Mostly to God's people, but not exclusively. Angels are spirit messengers. They come and they deliver messages from God to God's people, especially to tell them what God is about to do. 
That's why whenever God is about to move mightily on the earth, there's all of a sudden this outbreak of angelic appearances and visitations. Not only, does, not only do the angels tell the people what God is going to do, but they tell the people what their role is in what God's about to do. That's very important to remember because often the obedience of God's people is what will enable the word or the message to become reality. That's why God says, go to Mary, tell her what I'm going to do, tell her what her role is in it. Same with Zechariah and Elizabeth. Tell them what I'm about to do. Tell them what their role is in it. Because their obedience is so critical to the word becoming fulfilled. They both could have said no. But praise the Lord, they did not. So that's exactly what we've seen happening here in the Christmas story. Their obedience enabled God to carry out his plan. Here's an application. Again, when you have a word or a promise, not only is belief imperative, but your obedience as well for that word or promise to become fulfilled. Are you with me? See some blank stares out there today. You're what? Thinking, okay. We have a role and we have a responsibility in the matter. We cannot take that lightly. God's love is unconditional. His words, his promises are not. They're conditioned on our response, what we do with it. A lot of times, I'm kind of going off, off script here, but a lot of times we wonder why our prayers aren't answered or this happened this way or that didn't go that way. And we fail to realize that we had a role in that that we didn't play and the thing was short-circuited. See it? And we often blame it on God, don't we? And God's saying, I was there all the time. I was waiting for you. Here's just a few fun facts about angels. Maybe some surprising things here there was for me. Angels are mentioned 25 times in seven of the 39 Old Testament books. That's about 18% of the Old Testament books. Angels are mentioned 86 times in 16 of the 27 New Testament books. That's well over half of the New Testament books. I find that interesting because I would have thought angels played a much more active role in the Old Testament than the New Testament because we have the Holy Spirit. Why do we need angels? Misconception on my part. It seems the Holy Spirit and angels work together to see God's will done on earth as it is in heaven and then they involve us, believers, the church. We have this, it's sort of true, but it's not really true. We have this idea that, oh, God will do it. God will just do it. It's not really on us. We can't really do anything. We don't understand how vital a role we have in making sure God's will is enforced or brought about on earth as it is in heaven. He uses his people. He uses angels to bring this about. It seems as if the Holy Spirit directs the angel armies into the actions and activities that God wants. And then it involves us. Surface study here. We want to return now to the narrative. 
Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could possibly mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. First comment. Again, as almost always in Scripture, when an angel appears to a human being, the angel has to tell the human being, don't be afraid. Angels must be some sight to see, I guess especially if they're addressing you. Daniel fell like a dead man when the angel appeared to him. He was so sick, physically sick. Second comment. Both prophetic messages from Gabriel in the Christmas story were about conceiving, were about having children in circumstances not conducive to doing so. You following me? They were prophetic messages about conceiving and having children in circumstances that were not conducive to that. Elizabeth was past childbearing age. Mary was an unmarried teenager. The angel's message got even down as far as what you should name the baby. Ron, cue up the video, please. I'll tell you when to play it. After this next statement, actually, just go ahead and hit it. In this message, Gabriel foretold to Mary that her son Jesus was destined for greatness. Go ahead, Ron. Mary, did you know that your baby boy one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you Will soon deliver you. Find your next customer with Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Did you know that your baby boy calm a storm with his hand? Did you know your customers are so
Mary did not know. She did not know all of that. It says many times that Mary would ponder these things in her heart, meaning that she was thinking about them, but she couldn't, she couldn't quite grasp them. She didn't know. Actually, Mary and Jesus' brothers did not become believers until late in Jesus' ministry, perhaps as late as after the resurrection. So Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. She has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Comments. First, question, just for fun. <laughs> it's the way my mind thinks. How come when Zechariah asked the angel a question, it cost him his voice? But when Mary asked him a question, no consequences. God favors women. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts why, why that is? <laughs> what? How so? Old. Teenager. I guess. You know, the Bible doesn't give you an answer. That's why I said it's just a fun question. Why Zechariah got consequences and Mary didn't? Dawn. God knows their hearts. There was an unbelief in Mary. Honest question. There was unbelief in Zechariah. No way, Lord. Second comment, this is extremely important, and this will be some theological teaching for us from the Christmas story. Who was Jesus' father? Don't get weirded out. There's nothing sexual about this. But the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she conceived Jesus. It was a supernatural miracle of God. A second question, very important for us to know. Why did the Holy Spirit have to be Jesus' father and not Joseph? Why couldn't Joseph be Mary's father. Okay, that's, that's all good. Justin? Okay, you guys can preach this. 
I'll just go on then. The surface answer, but you know it's because it's extremely important, and we could spend a, a long time on this, but here's the answer, what you said. The sin line is passed through the human race by the man. Adam sinned, and it's through the lineage of the man that sin passes from generation to generation. Now, don't think that women are excluded from that because women have earthly fathers. The line is passed through the women, or the line is passed to the women, but it's passed through the man. Jesus had to be sinless, or he could not legitimately die for our sins. Therefore, Joseph could not be Jesus' biological father, or Jesus would be under the same sin curse as us. So God, in his wisdom, amazing. You know, when you read the Christmas story, you hear the Christmas story every year after year, and you miss these things like God's incredible wisdom and how he did this. It could not have been done any other way. Brilliant. God, through a supernatural miracle, was Jesus' father, so there's no sin line. That's why Jesus called him father. Very rarely in the Old Testament do you ever hear anybody call God father. But Jesus said, God is my father, and then he brought us into that relationship through faith in him. And now God's our father. Mary's response to the angel's message is very important. Mary responded saying, yes, I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. Mary's response was simple and it was exemplary. Yes, I will. I accept whatever God has for me. Don't miss that. Simple trust and complete obedience to God. Yes, not my will, but yours be done. Application. When we receive a prophetic word or a promise from the Lord, whatever the source, from the written word itself, from a human messenger, from an angelic messenger, Mary's is the proper response. Yes, I will accept whatever you have for me. Now, I know discernment has to be used. You don't just jump at every word that you get. But once you establish it's from God, this is the response. Yes, I will. One last section, one last passage in this section, and it's going to lead for me to the primary application today. Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and she greeted Elizabeth. Pay attention to these next verses. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Fun facts, but then again, I want to move into something extreme, extremely serious for application. First, you may or may not have known that Mary and Elizabeth were relatives, which made John the Baptist and Jesus cousins, earthly speaking. God totally works through human, through earthly human networks and relationships. But second, in closing, I want to pull out this, from this verse, a very relevant application. We made the same one last week. I want to apply this verse to the abortion issue that is ravishing our nation. 
It is, again, a very hot topic. There are court cases in progress as we speak, probably, throughout the nation. Pro-choice, pro-life. I just want to say right up front, it doesn't matter what people think, and it doesn't matter what the courts think. It only matters what God thinks. Not just this issue, all issues. We need to find out what God thinks about this and then make decisions. Because once we know what God thinks, then it's a no-brainer from there, no matter what you think, what you like, what you want it to be. When Mary entered the house and simply greeted Elizabeth, Elizabeth's child leaped within her womb. Luke records it as part of the narrative. Then he informs us that Elizabeth was very aware of this. She was aware of what was going on, and she mentions it. When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. It's like Luke wanted to make sure we get this for future generations who are going to have to deal with issues like abortion. My own opinion, a blob of lifeless fetus tissue would not respond this way when Jesus entered the room. Who also was in the womb? Jesus was in the womb, and so was John, and the babies related to each other. The two babies in the womb reacted to each other's presence. Also of great importance... Notice how Scripture refers to that which is in the womb, a child, a baby. It's a human being. Application. There's a raging battle, as you are probably aware, currently in the United States over this issue. My sense is God wants very much to inform the church, to inform believers, to inform his followers you listening? Of what his position is on this issue. He has a position on this issue. He's not indifferent. He's not complacent. He feels very strongly about this issue. He wants us, his followers, to know how he views that which is being carried in the womb. A baby, a child. It's not going to become a human being. It is a human being. And it's a human being for whom God has great plans and purposes on earth. When an abortion snuffs out a life, it's not just snuffing out a life in isolation. It's snuffing out all that God had prepared for that life and to use that life on earth. And everyone and everything that would have been touched by it. It's like it's a wonderful life when the angel had to show Ah, who's the star? The angel had to show Jimmy Stewart what life would have been like if he wouldn't have been born. And the impact that he had had. All these 60 million plus babies whose lives have been snuffed out. None of that impact on the earth will happen. Impact that God had planned. It's a serious issue. 
I have strong feelings on it. I believe when, when Roe versus Wade was passed, and if you understand anything about how they decided that, it will make you sick. But besides that, from that point on, this nation became under a curse. And many things that have happened since then have happened because of that. It opened the door. My opinion. Listen, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we need, we want to have and live from a biblical worldview and never be apologetic for that. Just because many others do not, just because many in power do not, they have no clue to find out what God's view is on the issues they're making decisions on, just because they don't, that's no reason for us to apologize for our biblical world view on current issues. We view current issues from what God thinks about them. And it's time for the church not to be silent anymore. We have as much right to express our opinions as those who are so strongly coming against those opinions do. So last week... Scripture clearly said that John was filled with the Spirit before his birth. In the womb, Jesus was filling this human being with his Spirit. In the womb. Today's Scripture refers to the fetus in the womb as a child and as a baby, a human being, already. This is something for us to really think about from the Christmas story. Would you stand with me, please? I have one more verse. Steve, you can come to the mic a while. I want to show us one more verse, and then Steve's going to pray, and Sonny, you can just bring the band forward as Steve is finishing up his prayer. You can look at the screen. I'm going to read this verse. Psalm 139. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. You watched me as I was being formed, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Steve, if you'll pray. Father, we honor you today. We thank you for this word. Father, we pray that you will open our hearts and our minds for what you have for us, that we will open our hearts and our minds to hear your voice and to see what it is that you desire us to do, what our part in your scheme is, Father. Father, as I think about Roe versus Wade and the abortion issue, it is no coincidence that this is coming up now. Roe versus Wade was 
over uh, 40, 50 years ago, in, in the early 60s. But now, and we really haven't heard anything about it. But now it has come forth, and I pray that we will hear your voice because you want us as Christians to open our hearts and our minds to what you are doing. You are letting us know that this is enough. This is enough. We don't need any more of this. We don't need, we don't need any more Johns killed. We don't need any more Johns murdered. We don't need any more Luke's, Paul's, murdered, Father. You are crying out to us, Lord. I pray that you will hear us, Lord. I pray that you will open our hearts, that we will see what it is that you want us to do, what our part is and what you are doing in this nation today. We are a small community. We are a small church, but we can't think small, Father. We have to think large. We have to think global. We have to think earthly, spiritually, like you think, Father. So I pray that you will give us the strength and that we will open our hearts and our minds and that we will understand that all things are possible with you and that we are not limited by this earth because we believe in you, Lord. We believe in your son, Jesus Christ. So we are powerful. We are mighty. We are strong. So I pray, Father, today that we hear this message that you delivered us today and that we will be strong. We will open our minds to what it is that you want us to do and we will not limit ourselves. Our only limit is what you put upon us, Father, and you make us limitless, Father. You are a faithful and loving God and we thank you and we thank you for what you are going to do with us and what you are going to do through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.